This is Paul Nobles once again, and we're still doing our performance series. And on this one, we're moving a little bit from kind of the basics of, of performance nutrition to a little bit more of the specifics. And for this, um, I'm going to really talk about kind of the eat reform side. And so, Susan, once again, why don't you give a brief introduction? Um, certainly, if you're looking for kind of the best material in terms of uh, performance nutrition, you know, just go to Amazon and download New Power Eating, you know, but go ahead, introduce. Or you could go to drskleiner.com or drsusankleiner.com, that's using the DR for doctor, and you can find the New Power Eating there, you can find uh, the Good Mood Diet there, uh, and um, all kinds of, you know, recordings and publications that I've that I've done over the years. And it's great to, to be here again with you, Paul. Yeah, and once again, I'm Paul Nobles, um, co-founder of Eat to Perform. If you're looking for coaching as it relates to a lot of this stuff, we can help. I think one of the things that happens is that whenever you start talking about um, dieting in particular or performance in particular, you know, people are taken back because they kind of want you to stay like in a certain window, you know? Um, and, you know, the reality is, is that the numbers that we're about to talk about and the specifics that we're about to talk about vary per individual, but they don't vary near as much as you think, right? And so um, there was a, actually a, a recent study that came out and it was from the lab of Herman Ponsner, which was the author of the book Burn. And it was really making the case that um, the total daily energy expenditures of, of just a regular person compared to elite athletes isn't as much as you think. And so what I think it happens for most people, and we'll actually explain some of that, right? Because it, it does make sense that some of these elite athletes do eat a lot of food, um, but we'll tell you why they're eating that food. And it's not necessarily because of total daily energy expenditure. Um, but the, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the study, really sedentary people, you know, are over adjusting too much. Right. And we're not going to really get into the diet piece, but just naturally our bodies have a certain amount that they require. And so let's talk about what that amount looks like and then how we build a performance nutrition plan from there with calories. Right. And so Susan is going to give you her side of that once I'm done with that. But I think that it's really important that we remember that that all of this is food and that the majority of this is whole foods, right? Um, part of the value of eating more is that you actually get more vitamins in your food, right? And so not only are you eating your macronutrients, right? But you're actually getting more micronutrients also, which ends up being beneficial. Um, and so as you can vary that within the macros, that ends up being a good thing. So the minimal part that we look at for women is going to be at least 2000 calories, right? For men, the number is 2,700. Now, if you came to us 
and you're running two marathons a day and eating 1400 calories and you can't figure out why you're not losing weight, a lot of times there's some kind of bad messaging, I think, um, related to, well, you're just not eating enough. And while that's true, that you're just not eating enough, people then equate, you're just not eating enough so that you can lose weight, right? And you gotta remember that when we're having a discussion about why it's important to get better at exercise, why it's important to feed that performance, it's much more than just weight loss, right? It's how your body is meant to function all along. And so what happens, and we talked about this a little bit in the podcast before, is you get this false positive, right? Susan talked about runners and how they'll lose a little bit of weight and they get like this false positive that being underfed is actually preferable, right? And it's only preferable once, you know? (laughs) And then after that, you're basically, I was going to say this, you know, in the other podcast, but you basically put a stopwatch on your, you know, physical ability, right? And that's what you see with these athletes having to retire earlier and earlier, right? And so um, the specific start at 2000 and then for men 2700, but that's not where we end. We're really going to push things more and more and more. And Sue, Sue's got, uh, a great story about the basketball player, Susan Bird, right? Especially in this regard. And so can you walk people through what we were talking about? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I have the honor of uh, having worked with uh, the great Sue Bird, the goat Sue Bird. If you don't know who she is, she is uh, the oldest player in the Women's National Basketball Association. She plays for the Seattle Storm. We call her floor general. She's a point guard. She should have been on your screen um, in a big way uh, over the last, when you were watching the 2020 Tokyo Olympics uh, in 2021 as the point guard for uh, Team USA uh, women's basketball. So Sue is currently 40 years old. I started working with her about six years ago. Maybe it's a little longer now. When she came to me kind of with a plan, hoping to get one more year of play under her belt before she figured she would have to retire due to injuries that just wouldn't stop bothering her uh, in her hips and knees. And so we worked together. We immediately added a thousand calories a day, 800 uh, in, in carbohydrate, pretty much around her exercise. She had a little fluidity in adding the, you know, whatever she wanted for the extra 200. And there were even days where she ate, probably ate more. She also started working with an excellent strength and conditioning coach um, to give due to to that work as well. And as you can see, having added more calories and continued to age, continued to eat more, continued to focus on her fueling, she is still a leading player in the world uh, as a point guard for the Seattle Storm and USA Women's Basketball, uh, having gotten her fifth gold medal this year along with her teammate, Diana Taurasi, 
who only lags her by a few years. So I, um, I, I just hope that that helps reinforce the concept that continuing to eat less as we age is, um, is an important strategy. Actually eating more or eating better is, is very important and eating less is not necessarily a successful strategy. Yeah, and so, you know, the eating better part, what we find is that, especially with our high-performing athletes, is as their calories start to go up, they have to have more energy-dense foods, right? And so, you know, if you look at something like a Vitargo, where you have a drinkable carbohydrate, you know, it's kind of difficult to eat that much rice or eat that much potatoes. And starches obviously are very beneficial for athletic performance because it fuels both your muscles and your brains. Right. And so, so the, both things are kind of important when right. you're trying to make- Right, I like know, to say it's, it's hard to, to fuel well and still feel empty enough to train. Yeah, and so, you know, when we look at, um, people that are eating, you know, what a lot of people refer to as clean, you're going to end up eating a lot of food. And so you're going to have to have a strategy. And so with a lot of stuff in the, in the ether, I know we've talked in the past that a lot of athletes, this is the craziest thing you've ever said to me, by the way, is that a lot of athletes come to you talking about low carb. Right. And and, you know, luckily, I'm well entrenched within the CrossFit world. Luckily, the low carb stuff is starting to go by the wayside a little bit, not not right. a ton, but certainly in the CrossFit game side. Yeah. You know, in the competitive, right. Nobody's, yeah, doing nobody's it talking low carb. They've learned their lessons. Yeah. 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 And, and so, um, but even when you're adding starches, even when you're adding, you know, more energy dense foods, you know, I think you have to be a little bit careful of fat. Um, I'm certainly a fat advocate. You know, one of the values of actually eating more is that it gives you more options for calorie dense foods, you know, so now you can eat the fattier cuts of meat, or you can have more nuts or some of the things that, that might be more preferential for just like a general health profile, right? But what happens is, is that if you're constantly viewing it the other way, you tend to have to pick like low fat or low carb. And whether you're a weightlifter, whether you're a runner, anything like this, specifics are gonna matter, right? And so you'll see these numbers start to get relatively high and i'm going to give some examples of that a little bit more in the next one but at the end of the day if you're looking at cardio um so our biggest calorie people are cardio folks right the, your ultra marathoners things of this nature i will say that um you know we have worked with high level weightlifters, even people that went to the olympics um and, you know, their calories were 3000 plus for very small people, right? Right. Um, that the lower weight classes that really don't do a lot of, lot of cardio. 
But in general, if you're 54 and doing ultra marathons and such like this, your calories are probably going right. to get right pretty obscene. And um, if they don't, you're not going to perform as well. Some of the biomarkers you want to look at is how's your sleep. You know, if your sleep's not great, you know, you're going to want to know whether or not you're, you're under fueling at that point. So when I say 2000 for a woman and 2,700, you know, when I look at some of my ultra marathoners, you know, they're eating as a woman, 3,500 to 3,700. I I don't even eat that much most of the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Our men are usually 4,500 to 5,000. Um, CrossFit games, athletes, men, 4,500 to 5,000 women tend to be anywhere from 3000 to 4,000. I would say for the elite, um, like games, winners, things of this nature, the majority of the calories that I see around 3000 to 3,500, there are some that do talk about, uh, 4,000 calories, um, and they tend to be kind of the bigger athletes. Bigger we've athletes, not, right. We've not seen any of those women. I mean, for for as broad, this is not a criticism of CrossFit. This is just fact, right? Um, is for as broad as it's supposed to be, there's a certain body type for men that wins and there's a certain body type for women right. that wins. And the reason why is because it's just not that diverse. There's only... 10 or so exercises that they're really um, working from and they go off of those 10 exercise at like the CrossFit games or something, but not to a point where it's going to skew the judgments one way or the other. Now, the other thing too, though, like for, for men and women, um, if you get too small, that also works against you. Right. And so um, while the, the athletes tend to be a certain size and that certain size tends to be a little bit smaller, even in height, right? It's very rare. I think like Annie Thor's daughter would be an outlier. I believe, you know, she has a weight listed at 155. Um, I will say like some of those weight listed, those are from years ago. You know, um, I know some of the men, uh, we used to body fat test uh, CrossFit Games athletes. And they would have weight listed at 180, and then I would test them at 210, you know. And um, I do think that, you know, from a height standpoint, you know, five, six to, you know, I would say six feet tall, maybe even like just under six feet tall is, is, is kind of the sweet spot. Anything else, you're going to be a little bit of an outlier. Um, but the point being, is that for extreme athletics, and a lot of you are participating in extreme athletics, even though you might view yourself as kind of, you know, well, those rules don't apply to me because I'm 55. I would say they actually apply more to you because you're 55, right? And so before we end this, I just want to, to really make the case, um, or Dr. Kleiner, to really make the case, we were just talking about Sue Bird, um, to really make the case of why your macros needs to be food, right? So, uh, yeah, thanks, Paul. The, the focus on, on macros is important, so you get what you need. 
but it's also a reductionist way of thinking because food is not just macros and it will and if you only focus on say protein um, or you just focus on carb you can get carb from avoiding whole grains or avoiding fruits you can still get your carbs um, you can eliminate dairy and still do fine but if there's no real reason for you to eliminate dairy then you can benefit from all the micronutrients in dairy that are the best we know of in combination for maintaining not just your bones, but certainly your bones, but also rehydration and recovery, blood pressure, cardiovascular health, uh, you know, you're certainly even building muscle. All of that is benefited from the sort of combination of, of nutrients together in dairy. If you're thinking I should cut out fruit because I read somewhere that it makes you fat. Well, first of all, that's not true. Um, but second of all, when you cut out fruit, you cut out an abundance of not just vitamins and minerals, but phytochemicals, the plant chemicals that we evolved with on this planet that play a critical role in health and wellness and disease prevention and health promotion and whole grains. If you're not eating whole grains, that is the number one reason why people develop chronic disease. And we know that we have data worldwide that whole grains are critically important. And I'm not saying whole grain baked products. I mean, whole grain, like cooking, brown rice, cooking oatmeal, cooking spelt, cooking uh, farro, all of these whole grains that, that can promote health and wellness because of their entire nutrient content. And when you disrupt that lovely balance that mother nature has created for us, you disrupt your ability to recover, repair, and grow. And as we get older, that is much harder. And we have we suffer um, more readily. We become aware of our, as, as Paul said, sleep disruption, very highly associated with poor nutrient consumption. So um, calories as well as, as total nutrients. So beware of the hype of only getting in and thinking only about your macros. Think about whole foods. Yeah, that's a big message for us. Uh, I do have good news for you in this regard. We have a number of articles that are very interesting to people. And you know, one of the things that we try to do with the way that we advertise each perform is just to get people into some of our core concepts and core ideas. And the article that I have that talks about um, carbohydrates and the best carbohydrates, um, specifically whole grains and starches and things of that nature is wildly popular. Oh, now, it's yay! Part, <laughs> it's partially popular um, because one of the, the Ethan Form coaches, you know, we she's flexing and 
we're we're talking that she's showing off all the carbs that <laughs> are filling her muscles but but there the people do respond to that message and i think it's it, it's a message that the the time is here for right so like this prevalence of of low carb as the end all and the panacea people have done it enough to know that it's not that right and so they they're just by by process of elimination you know they're like well i've eliminated all this stuff and, and really nothing's happening in that regard and so so amounts matter right specific amounts matter and then you know as you can keep that majority whole foods doesn't mean that you never eat flexibly right but oh and then one other the one last thing i was going to say i will say that some people like I agree with you, fruit is good, right? But they still have kind of this hard part with starches, right? So what they end up doing is just eating more fruit and not starches, right? And so their sugars get over a hundred grams just from the fruit. And so usually what we do for those kind of folks, and oh, by the way, like especially some of our, our males, they have to go over 100 sugars, right? Especially if um, their carbohydrates are 500 grams or something of that nature. Well, and I have to put in something for the farmers at this time of year. I mean, I just, I may not, you know, eat that much fruit just because it doesn't taste so great the rest of the year, but oh my God. Yeah. You know, the oh my God peaches and plums and everything out right now, I, 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 I enjoy myself and then I get back to my balance. <laughs> yeah. The, um, watermelon salad. Oh um, my God. Great. The last couple of weeks. So, yeah. um, but I just wanted to make the case that, you know, this fear of starches, you know, like, especially as your muscles and your brains are needing it more, especially under, you know, immediate circumstances, it's quick fuel and, um, you know, it's, it's stored in your body for a reason. Um, you know, fruit will, you know, uh, prioritize, prioritize liver glycogen over. So you want to have like that good balance, right? Right. Right. So, um, I appreciate everybody being here for this one. And then in the next one, what we're going to talk about is how sports different, a uh, differ and how you can fuel differently for those specific goals. So we'll talk to you then, bye now.